the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. All righty then, let's get started at nine minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Thursday morning. The 20th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Thanks so much for being with us for Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer, hour number four of uh, my broadcasting this morning, if you just tuned in. Uh, you didn't hear the Hugh Hewitt show this morning. I was in for Hughes, so I got to talk to some really great folks from around the country, including some from here in Ohio. Uh, and uh, give me a head start. i got a lot of very important things that we have to discuss. I have a lot of very important audio clips that you need to hear as well that we were sharing uh, on the Hewitt program. So uh, you are welcome to join us whenever you're ready at uh, 216-901-0945. You can also dial 888 I've got two great guests on the program today. One is Dr. Everett Piper an hour from now at, at uh, 1010. He is our leader, the general, in my estimation, of our culture wars. So he's the leader of our army, and uh, that's coming up at ten uh, ten, and then at eleven ten. First, or excuse me, beg your pardon. It's it's at ten thirty five. Sorry, I was delaying that for just a moment. At ten thirty five, after we're done with Doctor Piper, we will talk with the next senator from the state of Ohio, J D Vance, and I'm very much looking forward to him. I'm going to ask him why he didn't throw his hands into the air after he knocked out Tim Ryan on Monday. 
Wouldn't you love to see that? You know, like boxers, after they, you know, they, they've got a guy on the ropes and they're just pummeling, bang, 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 and pretty soon the uh, referee steps in and waves them off. It's over. You're done. The first thing the fighter does is throw his hands into the air in victory. I would love to see J.D. stand over a fallen Tim Ryan and throw his hands into the air, uh, his fists into the air, because that's what he did. He knocked him out, <clears throat> and I hope. It is indeed the end of the Tim Ryan experiment in Washington, D.C. I know it's funny. I just did the Hewitt program, and when I talked to Hugh Hewitt yesterday, uh, we talked about the fact that, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't come down on Tim Ryan because they're friends. You know, they grew up together essentially in the same area, and, uh, you know, they're friends, even though they disagree politically, so he doesn't go after him. I have no such qualms. I'm going to go after him. I do go after him, and I'll tell you exactly what he is. He is a walking, talking, lying POS. That's how I view Tim Ryan when you accuse a man like J.D. Vance of being a racist simply for wanting border control. You accuse him of being racist despite his uh, three biracial children. You accuse him of, of being responsible for a murder in a grocery store, a black grocery store, because the shooter also uh, wanted a control of our southern border. The idea that, that he has some responsibility in that, it's just insanity. But anyway, um, we're going to talk to J.D., Coming up at 1035. So Dr. Everett Piper at 1010, J.D. Vance at 1035. Quick note. I want to get this out now because the clock is ticking. We're 48 minutes away from an end to the ticket claims. Not ticket sales because the tickets are already paid for for the Battleground Talkers Tour event on Saturday uh, at the IX Center. Um, I was told yesterday that the event is sold out. But then today, I just found out they have released a few more tickets. They have just released more tickets, and we can give them away for another hour. So until 10 o'clock, you've got 48 minutes to get online at whkradio.com and click on the Battleground Talkers Tour banner and claim your tickets. Again, they're already paid for. This is a sponsored event, so you don't have to buy them. All you need to do uh, is uh, claim them at whkradio.com. So they have just released another allotment. I don't know how many, but it's only enough to last until 10 o'clock. At 10 o'clock, ticket claims will end, period. That's it. You cannot get in by getting, uh, you know, coming to the event on uh, Saturday and coming to the door and saying, can I buy a ticket or can I claim a ticket? Nope, you can't. If you don't get it done by 10 o'clock. All right. So they just released a select few more tickets uh, for the for the event on uh, on Saturday. So go to whkradio.com before ten o'clock and get your tickets claimed, and I will see you there. It's so important for us to get together in these events. By the way, I had one last night in. Um, it was in Cleveland. It was the Lakewood West Park Conservatives, and um, thank you to Keith Davey uh, and his team at the uh, with that organization. Uh, just some great people hosting an event to support candidates who believe in the same values, uh, the same um, fundamental uh, traditions and morals of our country and of our state, and that's what it was. I mean, you know, it's a Republican club or a conservative club, and we're there pushing people who believe in those things. And I'm glad to be a part of that. And I talked to a, to a really great group of people, uh, a lot of energy and a lot of excitement. And what I asked them to do last night is what I'm going to ask you to do right now, like I always do. You can't just um, stand alone in your moral virtue. You can't just say, I understand it. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to go vote on November 8th, and I'm going to vote for J.D. Vance, and I'm going to vote for conservative candidates up and down the ticket. I'm going to vote yes on issues one and two because they're right for, again, those fundamental values that I was talking about. 
you can't just say, I'm going to do my part and stand alone and do it. I mean, that is number one, job number one, but job number two is almost as important. And that is who you bring in with you. Who are you sharing the message with? Because if you don't bring somebody with you, you've only done really half the job. And when I say bring somebody with you, I don't mean you actually have to drive them to the polls, although that's fine too. But as I told the audience last night, um, you need to take what I say and the things that I talk about, even if you don't like that I'm saying them, even if you may not agree with my language or my style, take the message that it's going to take to save this country in the midterms to other people besides yourself. You understand? Talk to other family members. Did you register? Are you going to vote? Are you going to vote early at the Board of Elections, or are you going to wait until your precinct on Election Day? Are you ready to support the right people and the right issues to change the direction, which is straight down, of this country? Are you ready to do that? And if not, what? Let's talk. What do we have to? What do we have to do to convince you here that this is the right thing to do? Talk to people who are undecided. Talk to the moderates in your life. Talk to the people who are, you know, don't just preach to the choir, but talk to the people who need some convincing. Whether it's at the, you know, water cooler at work, the old proverbial water cooler at work, or whether it's people in your social media circles, or whatever it is. If you got a fantasy football league, talk to other people. Who are you bringing along for the mission to save this country? That's what's more important. And no, that's as important here. Job one, do it yourself. Job two, which is just as important, I think, as job one. It's the other half of the equation is to make sure that you are convincing other people as well. It's that important. So that's where we said I've got a lot of things to get to this morning. I want to start out, of course, the way I start out every morning and the way I started out the speech last night <clears throat> at the um, uh, Lakewood West Park uh, Conservative Club. Let's uh, rise, patriots, and face our flags. If you have a flag, I've got a couple of great ones here. Um, If you have a flag, go ahead and face it and put your hand over your heart and join us for our pledge. If you are a believer in taxpayer dollars being used to mutilate children, for example, then you don't know what that flag represents, and you don't know what the uh, building blocks, the foundational principles upon which this country was built, you don't know what those are either. So you are therefore exempted from the request to pledge your allegiance to this flag. Instead, you may take a knee next to your favorite ex-quarterback. As for the rest of us... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all so this is a, a bit of a shock. I'm not going to dwell on it because I don't have any of the facts at this moment in time, and I've got some other things that I do want to talk about with you, but um, I have to share this with you. Um, UK Prime Minister Liz Truss has announced she is resigning after 45 days on the job. Um She spent 45 days on the job and was likely to have handed over power within 52 days. Speaking outside her official London residence and the office of 10 Downing Street uh, today, Truss said she was unable to deliver the program she had been elected to, namely reforming the United Kingdom into a low-tax, high-growth economy, and said she was going to stand down. She said, quote, I recognize 
Though given this situation, I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected by the Conservative Party. I have therefore spoken to His Majesty the King to notify him I am resigning as leader of the Conservative Party. This morning I met the chairman of the E1922 committee, Sir Graham Brady. We have agreed there will be a leadership election to be completed within the next week. We will ensure, or excuse me, this will ensure we remain on a path to deliver our fiscal plans to maintain our country's economic stability and national security. I will remain as prime minister until a successor has been chosen. Thank you. She framed her remarks and her brief time in office as having taken place during a time of upheaval, citing Putin's war in Ukraine and other economic uh, instability. The resignation comes 45 days after she was handed power by Her Majesty the Queen. From previous leader Boris Johnson, who stood down after a series of scandals rocked the government, with the exception of the short period in which the Duke of Wellington and his caretaker prime minister, or I'm sorry, which the Duke of Wellington was caretaker prime minister in 1834, the first choice for prime minister was abroad, and it took that long to recall him to London. Trust now has the dubious honor of being the shortest-lived U.K. leader ever. So, and there's more details here, but I'm not going to get into them. But that's just a bit of a surprise. Uh, again, not too much uh, more than what I just shared with you. Uh, not sure how much it's going to impact us on our day-to-day lives, but there you have it. Uh, kind of a kind of a breaking international news story as the prime minister steps down after 45 days. Okay. Um, I have watched the Democrat Party sink into the depths of desperation before in other points in time. I have heard some desperate things being said uh, at other points in time. I don't know that I have had this type of a collection of radical extremist desperation coming from one party in a very long time, maybe ever. I've got some audio that I'm going to share with you after we have a timeout. Uh, some of the most radical things, like I said, if you thought you had heard it all from these people, you thought wrong, because there are things here I really, really didn't think that I would ever hear, and I'm going to share them all with you, and I'm going to ask you to react to them at 216-901-0945. It's 921. We'll take this time out here, and we'll come back, and I'm going to start laying some of these uh, radical extremist pleas for desperation or pleas of desperation and for help coming from Democrats. It's uh, it's really quite a remarkable thing to behold. So we'll start start working our way through those and getting your responses coming up as we continue on Always Right Radio at AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 924. Always right radio on AM 1420. The answer. Appreciate you being with us this morning. Phone lines are open at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. So I want to start with a couple of these clips that you just absolutely need to hear. <clears throat> because they're, um, I would like to say they're beyond the pale. They're just, you know, it's 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 extreme radicalism, but it's not. I mean, it's it's really not as, as crazy as you think because we are talking about modern day left-wing Democrats. I want to start out with Stacey Abrams, who is a candidate for governor in Georgia. After losing to Brian Kemp last time around and then complaining and denying the elections, verification and validity, uh, she screamed about it for three years. Now she's back having another run at it. <clears throat> and she's trailing big time, which means she needs some attention. One might suggest, however, that this is not the type of attention she should want. 
the type of attention that comes with saying, I have the answer to high inflation. The answer to the uh, spiking uh, inflation and the spiking prices is more abortions. That's right. Babies cost money, so if you want to save yourself money in dealing with inflation, inflated prices, kill your babies. You're running for governor of Georgia. Uh, I would assume, maybe incorrectly, but while abortion is an issue, it nowhere reaches the level of interest of voters in terms of the cost of gas, food, bread, milk, things like that. What can a governor, what could you do as governor to alleviate the concerns of Georgia voters about those livability, daily, hourly issues that they're confronted with? But let's be clear. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. And so these are, it's important for us to have both and conversations. We don't have the luxury of reducing it or separating them out, but we also have to talk about what a governor can do. Did did your blood just run cold the way mine did? Um, children are the reason we have our inflated prices. Children are the reason why we're concerned about the cost of everything. It's those damn kids. They got to go. So if you're carrying one, get rid of it. You want to deal with your inflated prices? Don't demand that Joe Biden change his policies and stop pouring more and more and more spending into the American economy, leading to these inflationary prices, as they always do. Don't demand that the federal government change energy policy, lowering gas prices, thus maybe allowing you more money to buy food for your children. Just kill the children. Now, I don't know if she only meant unborn or pre-born children, or if she meant existing ones. But she just said it's the children that have got to go if you want to deal with your uh, with your inflation crisis. I mean, this was so... Ra- how radical was what she said? It was so radical that Corrine Jean-Pierre, who's black and gay, the uh, press secretary, remember, she's black and gay. The White House wants you to know that, that it's very important that uh, she's black and gay. Well, the black and gay press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, wouldn't even touch this. That's how bad it was. In Georgia... The president's endorsed candidate for governor, Stacey Abrams, is suggesting that one, may, one way to mitigate the effects of inflation is to get an abortion. Does President Biden agree? Uh, I did not see her comments on this, so I don't know the context of this. Again, I want to be careful because this is a political debate, uh, and it, it's related to a midterm and election. Uh, so I, this is, I'm not going to comment on that. Wait, what? Did did she just say because it's a political debate related to the midterms, she's not commenting on it? In 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 that in that kind of part of the job to comment on these things because the president is out there playing politics every day. He's campaigning for midterm in the midterms for Democrat candidates. You're the Democrat spokesman. How can you possibly not comment on it? Kind of struggling to figure that one out. How are you not allowed to comment on it? No, she just didn't want to touch it because she knows how insane it sounds. It's easier to counter inflation by aborting your children than it is changing policies. And who knows, maybe you got to end some of the existing children's lives. 
I said this on Hugh Hewitt this morning, and I'll say it now. And I'm not the first to say it. But there's nothing magical about the birth canal. You understand that? The birth canal through which every one of us passed while being born, unless you were born C-section, which is, of course, the same thing, there's nothing magical about the birth canal. There's no sorcery there. It doesn't take something that is not a living human being, baby, on one side of the birth canal, and then confer magic powers upon it as it passes through the birth canal to become a living human being on the other side. You understand that? In a woman's uterus, just to the north, if you will, of a birth canal, of the birth canal, that is just as much of a baby and a human being as the baby that's just south of the birth canal, which means it has just passed through it. It didn't confer magic powers upon it to make take it from not human to human. It's human from the beginning, and it's human at the end, and it's human after it passes through. To suggest that the best way to solve inflation is to kill humans then, Stacey Abrams, might just be one that you want to have back. But this is how dangerous and 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 desperate the radical Democrats are. They're literally resorting to some of the most bizarre and cold-blooded things you can even imagine. That's just one example, though. I got more for you. As Mr. T once said, as Clubber Lang said in Rocky Three, I got a lot of mo. I got a lot of mo right here. I'm always right radio AM 1420 the answer. In the age of unreason, always write radio with Bob France and the answer. Onward at 937. Appreciate you being with us this morning. Uh, Don't forget, we got Dr. Everett Piper coming up in a half an hour. And we have got uh, J.D. Vance, the next senator from the state of Ohio, coming up uh, at uh, at, uh, 1035. Listen, I want to... I want to say something about J.D. Vance, and I want to relate it to um, Governor Mike DeWine. In the speech that I gave yesterday, I, I want to address any um, thoughts of hypocrisy or inconsistency that you might have because of the things that I say about Mike DeWine and J.D. Vance. Um, I, I was having a dispute online on Facebook with somebody who said they're not voting for J.D. Vance because he doesn't trust him. He said, um, I'm not voting for Tim Ryan either. And I said, well, I said, why not? And he said, because Tim Ryan's a communist. I said, okay. I said, is J.D. Vance a communist? He said, no, but I don't trust him. I said, okay. I said, so... If one guy is an avowed communist and you know is going to be devastating, a vote for all of the things that will tear this country down is going to come from that guy if he's in the Senate. It's 100% certain, locked down. If Tim Ryan is in that Senate seat, he is going to vote to pack the courts. He's going to vote to um, uh, end the filibuster. He's going to vote to codify Roe. All of the things that are important to you, you know 100% 
he's going to vote vote that way. And the other guy you just aren't sure about. Well, how unsure are you? Is it a coin flip? Is it 50-50 he'll do the right thing? Is it 60-40? If it's 95-5 or 5-95, doesn't it make common sense to vote for the guy that might be better, that you don't trust? He's not as conservative maybe as a Ted Cruz, but if, if J.D. Vance gives you a 5% chance of casting a vote that is opposite of the one Tim Ryan would cast, wouldn't it make common sense to vote for that guy and give yourself a shot? You, do you understand what I mean? If J.D. Vance is 50-50, I'm not sure if he's truly conservative about this, that, or the other thing. I'm not sure how he'll vote on this. If I know for a fact the other guy's going to vote the wrong way, and this guy gives me even a modest, slight modicum of a chance to, to, to do the right thing, wouldn't you just vote for that guy? Because he cannot possibly be worse than the other guy. And the, and the respondent in the, um, in the you know Facebook debate slash discussion that I was having said, oh, yeah, because voting for the lesser of two evils always works out so well, right? And I said, yeah, sometimes it does. Sometimes it does, and you have to do that. But then I went on to point out, I don't believe that J.D. Vance is the lesser of two evils here. I don't think J.D. Vance is an evil. I think J.D. Vance is much better, much stronger, much more conservative than I ever gave him credit for when he was just in the primaries. And trying to explain away what he used to say about Donald Trump and all of those things. I think J.D. Vance is much better than I ever thought he would be. And I'm proud to endorse him and to say that is who I want to be the next senator from Ohio. But even if you aren't in that you know mindset, the one that I'm in, in that regard, you still have a much better chance than a guy that you have called a communist. So you vote for him. And so that's my position, and I want anybody who is just, you know, still questioning. I was a Josh Mandel guy. I was a Mike Gibbons guy. Well, they're not in this race now, are they? You can be a Mandel guy in your heart. You can be a Mand- or a Gibbons guy in your heart. You can be a Dolan guy in your heart. But on the ballot, you've got to be a Mandel guy, or I mean a, a Vance guy, because guess what? Mandel isn't there anymore. None of the other guys are. It's Vance or it's Ryan. And if Ryan is a guaranteed communist vote... Then you go with the guy who's not a guaranteed communist vote. It's pretty simple, right? So I throw that out there in order to offer this other side. Last night when I spoke to the Lakewood West Park conservative club, I made it very, very clear that despite the Mike DeWine sign that was on stage with a bunch of the other yard signs of a bunch of the other candidates in various races, state races, school board races, you know, state board of education races, uh, judicial races, uh, you know, they had all the Republican candidate signs reflected there. And I supported pretty much every one of them except for the one at the front, which is the one that said DeWine Houston. And I made it very, very clear as to why. Well, one of the main reasons as to why, and that is what he did to us for two and a half years of his Amy Acton-led COVID policies, the destruction and the uh, erasure of our own rights at the hands of Mike DeWine, which will never be forgiven, and the fact that he continues now as a candidate for re-election to not support Brendan Shea's resolution, to not tell his appointed board members how he feels 
about the Title IX expansion that's going to change the face of our schools, going to change drastically the ability of our children to be safe in, uh, in places of undress and privacy, not to mention the sports aspect, and more. I want nothing to do with Mike DeWine. And you might say, all right, Bob, how about some consistency? How about some, uh, how about some, uh, you know, uh, less hypocrisy here? You just told us if we didn't really like Vance, it's better than Ryan. So if you don't really like DeWine, but he's better than Whaley, then you gotta vote for him, right? And the answer is no. These are not apples to apples. Okay? In the fight for the Senate, number one, there is no third option. With any viability, I don't even know if there's any without any viability. It is a binary choice. It is the Republican and conservative J.D. Vance, or it is the left-wing communist that is Tim Ryan. It's as stark as the choices could possibly be from one another. In the governor's race, it's the Democrat against the Democrat masquerading as a Republican. It's, it's, it's very, very different than the Senate race. Mike DeWine governed by and listened to and essentially granted authority to a Democrat to make all of the decisions during COVID-19. He refuses to stand up to the Democrats and their radical gender queer theory that they're pushing on the kids in school by way of this, uh, this Title IX change that if you don't accept, we're going to starve out Ohio's poor children from school lunches and breakfasts. The reduced meal and the free lunch program? Gone. No federal dollars for that if you're not going to change Title IX and allow the little girls to pretend to be little boys and vice versa and to play on each other's sports teams and to be in the same locker room with and to be in the same showers with, etc. That's a, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Mike DeWine is essentially then in lockstep with Dan Whaley. What's the difference? And they say, yeah, but, you know, if Sharon Kennedy wins the Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, uh, vacating her existing seat as an Associate Justice, well, then the governor gets to appoint a new justice. Well, that's true. But can I trust that Mike DeWine is going to make proper appointments? He appointed Amy Acton as his health director. I don't trust him to make proper appointments, good decisions. He won't even speak out in support of Title IX and actual girls. He won't even speak out in opposition to the Title IX changes that would add uh, pretend games to actual girls. People pretending and playing dress-up. I mean, I, I have no faith in, at all in Mike DeWine. Now you say, yeah, but if you don't vote for him, then are you voting for Nan Whaley? No, not voting for Nan Whaley either. Number one, excuse me, <clears throat> doing the speech last night and then doing the Hugh Hewitt show this morning, and now into this show, it, <clears throat> it's playing some havoc with my voice, so excuse me. <clears throat> um, so... Um, where was I? Oh, the differences between the two of them. Number one, uh, Mike DeWine and Nan Whaley are not that far apart. Uh, number two, if, if somehow, some way, <laughs> excuse me, we're going to take a time out here so that I can compose myself. My apologies. We're going to come back right after this, and I'll finish this thought about why 
It is not hypocritical to say, vote for J.D. Vance, even if you aren't in love with everything about him. But don't vote for Mike DeWine if you're not in love with everything about him. I'll I'll explain why it's not hypocritical and finish that thought. And also remind you about Marshall Usher coming up right after this on Always Right Radio. Don't have time to call in? Try the sound off feature on alwaysright.us and make your voice heard. Okay, to uh, finish the thought that I was on before the coughing fit happened. Number one, Mike DeWine has a 20-point lead. He's not going to lose to Nan Wheeling. Number two, which means I don't need to give him my vote. Number two, even if enough of us did not vote for him, that Nan Whaley were to win, how much different are things really in this state? I might argue that things would be a little bit better because the spineless, weak, GOP-led General Assembly, which won't stand up to the Democrat decisions of Mike DeWine, might stand up to the Democrat decisions of an actual Democrat named Dan Whaley. They might actually use their legislative power. That's another reason I can justify not voting for him. And the other reason, as I said, is there is an option. There is a third option. Is it a long shot? Yeah. Is it a long, long shot? Yeah. Is that the longest of all long shots? Sure. Because you don't know who Marshall Usher is. But he is a conservative citizen candidate who is giving us a legitimate option between Democrat Mike DeWine and Democrat Nan Whaley. And I'm going to write him in. And you can, too. Go to Usher for Ohio and learn a little bit more about him and his platform and what he stands for. I talked to him yesterday. If you missed the interview, that's on you. You should have heard it. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it on yesterday's podcast at whkradio.com. But Marshall Usher, I, th- I think, gives us the types of um, conservative ideas and the type of a, a conservative platform that we should get from a Republican like Mike DeWine. But like I said, Mike DeWine isn't truly really a Republican. And anything he tells you and anything he says he would do that is conservative, conserv- conservative in nature, you can probably write off as saying, yeah, not going to happen. Because he doesn't govern like a conservative. He's weak, he's spineless, and he's a weasel, and I'm done with him. And I will never waste another vote on Mike DeWine. So that's the difference. Don't play that game with the Senate race. J.D. Vance needs you. He doesn't have a 20-point lead. J.D. Vance is by far the superior candidate. He is absolutely much, much more conservative than you thought he was. Admit it, I am. He absolutely deserves your vote. Mike DeWine is a different story altogether. So I'll get off the soapbox now. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. John has been waiting in uh, Berea. John, thanks for waiting. You're on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead. Yes. Uh, could you give me an idea of where I could go to find out about uh, uh, about uh, judges? Because I'm, I'm kind of lost. I'm kind, I'm kind of lost. There's a, there's a few I'm familiar with that I could vote for. Uh, um but a lot of them I don't know. I think Sharon Kennedy is probably uh, is is Sharon Kennedy is yeah is is up for the Chief Justice of the Ohio Supreme Court, and right. she absolutely is the person you should be voting for. No and questions just, asked. 
And then there's the Sierra Lynch uh, Shehorn, who's uh, Ohio Values Voters approved of. And so the District 10, that's a that's a good one. But uh, beyond there's no two, doubt about it. I was going to recommend to you if you're looking for uh, endorsements and recommendations of the judicial candidates. I mean, I can tell you right now, for the Supreme Court, you mentioned Sharon Kennedy, Pat Fisher and Pat DeWine are the other two that you absolutely must support. There's there's no two ways about it, though. We need all three of those uh, um, uh, uh, Supreme Court People. appointments to be made, or elections to be to be won. Uh, and then, like I said, then you get another one because Sharon Kennedy would have to be replaced, and then you get the appointment by the governor. So th- there's no doubt about it. Those three are locks. If you're looking for endorsements for the others, you just tripped over it yourself. Uh, absolutely, the Ohio Value Voters, uh, when they put out their endorsement slate, you could look there. If you are interested in uh, We the People Convention, which is another one I trust a lot, which is Tom Z, uh, he always puts out a voter slate of recommended endorsed uh, candidates. Um, there's is, a lot of places to go that I would I would absolutely uh, I would recommend that you look at. Would, and, would it uh, and be WeThePeople.org or WeThePeople.com or? Uh, you know, I tried both ways. I think it's, I think it's org. I think it's we the people convention.org, um, is, is then, what it actually is. So, okay, this is great. Thank you very much. The only oh. other thing that I will quickly share is that the, the Republican Party of Cuyahoga County is highly disappointing. They should be ashamed of themselves, in my opinion, because I have called all three of the people there and I couldn't leave a message on their answering service because it, nobody had listened to all the messages, so it was filled. And I've always got stuff from the Republican Party before, uh, you know, a slate, and, and and now I can't get, I'm not being able to get anything, and I want yard signs for J.D. Vance, yard signs for uh, Max Miller. I haven't been able to get them, uh, just not being able to find out, you know, I know where to go all out to uh, this Broadview uh, Heights thing, but that's quite far from me when I have a full-time job. Yeah. So that's, No, that's, listen, no. I, I, I have heard this complaint from some other people, too. In fact, it came up last night at the event uh, that I spoke at, and thanks for the call. Uh, I'm going to let you run here. Uh, it came up at the event last night, and the one common theme with all the people that I spoke with, who, including event organizers and club leaders uh, and some of the judges I was actually talking to who were at the event last night as well, um, the theme is there needs to be coordination rather than um, competition, and there seems to be too much competition within the Republican Party in Cuyahoga County or Northeast Ohio in general uh, to work with one another, uh, to organize with one another. There were four competing GOP events going on last night at the same time, so each event was much smaller than it could have been and should have been because they didn't time them up properly and space them out day by day by day. And then I heard the exact same thing you just said. People aren't able to get yard signs conveniently. They're not having their questions asked uh, easily. And it's inexcusable. It, it really, really is. If you're a Republican leader in you know Northeast Ohio, Greater Cleveland, whatever you want to call it, your, your work is cut out for you because it's a big blue area. You have to be perfect, in my view. You have to be perfect to win as a Republican in Cleveland or Cuyahoga County. You have to be perfect. You can't make mistakes. You can't compete with one another. You can't not answer phones. You can't take volunteers to put yard signs up for you and take them for granted and, ah, maybe I'll call back. Maybe You've got to have all of that ready to go. It's an uphill climb to win in a big blue district and area like this anyway. You have to be on top of your game. And it's not in far too many of these cases. Lee Weingard, who I spoke with last night as well, can absolutely win the county executive position. 
If the effort behind him is coordinated, I'm not talking about his campaign. His campaign's terrific. They're doing a great job. I'm talking about the Republican Party of Cuyahoga County and Republican organizations as a whole. They just don't work well enough together, in my view, to get as much uh, success as we can possibly you know, accomplish. I think there's a lot that can be done if they just coordinate a little bit better. So thank you, my friend, for the call. We'll take a time out here. I got one minute left before <laughs> 10 o'clock, which means, and I was just told about 20 minutes ago, there were only 30 tickets remaining of the new allotment uh, for the event on Saturday, the Battleground Tour. So pick up the phone. Well, I guess you'd have to go to the, go to the website. Take, take that back. Go to whkradio.com right now. See if you can get in under the wire. Go to whkradio.com. Buy one of those remaining, or not buy, but claim one of those remaining 30 tickets. And uh, we'll see you on Saturday at the Battleground Talkers Tour. For now, we'll take a time out for news, and then we'll talk with Dr. Everett Piper on the other side. AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two underway. Good morning once again, fellow patriots. Appreciate you being with us. On this Thursday, nine minutes past 10 o'clock, it's the 20th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord by uh, 2022. Let me do the math here. Uh, i got 11 more days in October, and then we got eight days, so we're what is it, 19, right? 19 days away from November 8th, and we decide to either save the country or sacrifice it. We save it or we give it up. Leave it for dead, never to be heard from again, at least in the form in which it was created. The foundational principles will be destroyed forever, literally in 19 days, unless we take the power away from those who wish uh, that to be our fate. So I welcome you at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. And now I welcome our regular Thursday guest. I call him kind of our general. He's uh, he's the leader in the culture wars. He's leading our army as we continue to fight for that which is right, that that which is moral and virtuous and good and beautiful and true. He is Dr. Everett Piper. He is <clears throat> former university president. He's a best-selling author. He is a weekly columnist with the Washington Times. He is also a podcast radio host with The Rebellion. And he is also a candidate for county commissioner in his native Oklahoma, so his time is coming as well. Dr. Everett Piper, good morning. Good to have you back. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, How are you feeling about uh, the campaign? Well, uh, just uh, as a summary here, very quick. Uh, I had to do this three times over the course of the last three, uh, uh, 12 months. I had to run for the primary, and there were four candidates on the Republican side. We prevailed as the number one, but we didn't get 50% plus one. So there was a runoff. We won the runoff by 60% to 40%, so we did well. And now we're in the general. And statistically, we should be okay because there are more Republicans registered in this district than there are Democrats. So... I feel good about it, but you don't take your foot off the gas. We'll fight to the finish line here. 
good for you. And that is exactly the right attitude to take. And hopefully there are a lot of other uh, conservative candidates and races all across this country who are going to do the same thing. Because, again, uh, we have a country to save. And you and I, you wrote about it, and we talked about it, too. Uh, most of these um, changes that are going to impact our lives... <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit raspy, uh, things that are going to change and impact our lives are not going to be decided at the federal level or sometimes even at the state level. Uh, essentially, all leadership is local. Uh, and it, and and that's you know you were asked why you didn't run for something bigger than a county commissioner and you you correctly pointed out and wrote in your article uh, that this is where decisions are made and this is where true change happens or in the case of you know certain circumstances where radical change is avoided so that we can continue doing what is right. And. And the, the good news here is that a handful of people can make a huge difference because your local elections, school board, city council, county commissioner, mayor, the local elections traditionally have very few people that show up to vote. Now, that sounds negative, but the positive side of that is if, if a few good conservatives will rally the troops and show up and vote for these elections, you can control a great deal. And as I said on your show earlier, COVID proved this, because if you had a mayor that believed in constitutional liberty, if you had a city council, if you had a district uh, commissioner, county commissioner, if you had local officials that actually leaned toward the Constitution rather than toward this little Napoleon despotism where they're going to take control of our lives and tell us when we can go to a restaurant and whether or not we can go to church, we know that if we lived in these communities where you had common sense prevail, and personal liberty being a priority, that our lives were very different than just, uh, you know, 60 miles down the road where some mayor thought he could control everything and shut everything down. So local elections matter. We learned that during COVID, and we need to remember that, that, that lesson as we continue to try to protect our personal freedoms, our constitutional liberty at the local level. Very, very well articulated. We're talking with Dr. Everett Piper. Let's dive into some of the culture wars now. Your last article for the Times ran four days ago, uh, and you talk about family-friendly drag queen shows. And for some reason, family-friendly is in quotation marks, as if it's, it's as if that's you know somehow a misnomer. Um, what's with the quotation marks? Of course, drag shows are family-friendly. They're they're welcoming and inviting to all ages. What's wrong with that, Dr. Piper? <laughs> well. If if anybody's been following these stories that take place across the nation right now, whether it's Oregon or Ohio or, or Oklahoma, these drag queen performances are now being promoted by their promoters as family-friendly. They're the ones who are calling them family-friendly events. And as you know, we talked about it in on your show a week or two ago. In Bartlesville, Oklahoma, the town where the university is that I served as president for nearly 20 years, there was a family-friendly drag queen performance on September 10th in a local community park. Now, I want to emphasize that one more time. It was in a public park, a public space, and they were promoting it as family-friendly with bouncy toys for the children, and they actually were handing out fake money, monopoly money, to teach the kids how to give dollar bills to these drag queen performers. Okay, so they've got these dudes, these six two, six three, six four dudes dressed in size fourteen pumps, knee high leather boots, fishnet stockings, leotards, sequence capes, and exaggerated makeup and big wigs, prancing and preening and dancing in front of eight year olds, and the eight year olds are giving these guys money. And I kid you not, they're playing Shania Twain's "I Feel Like a Woman" in the background. Is this family friendly? 
is this not a violation of local community ordinances? That's what everybody should be asking right now. Does your community have laws, local laws, against lewd and lascivious behavior in the public square, in a public park? Here's an analogy, Bob. Let's say that you're a farmer. You live 15 miles out of town. You come into to Bartlesville, Oklahoma, once a week to get your groceries. Well, it's a beautiful day. You and your family, you've got a couple young kids. You're 35 years old. You've got a young family, young kids. You get your groceries at Walmart, and then you stop at Wendy's to get a burger and fries and go to the local public park to let your kids throw rocks in the water and watch the ducks. You just want to relax at a picnic table and enjoy a beautiful afternoon. And some dude comes up to your kids, prancing and preening, with a ghetto blaster on his shoulder, playing Shania Twain's I Feel Like a Woman, and he's dressed in drag. And he's inviting your kids to give him dollar bills as a thank you for his performance. Do you think that this is a violation of local community ordinances? Well, the answer is yes. We have the laws on the books against this type of lewd, our language, our legal language, and lascivious behavior. But yet our local Republican city council won't do anything about this because they're afraid. In fact, our mayor is on record saying, and I quote, one man's weed is another man's beautiful flower. Who's to judge as to what's lewd? Close quote. This is crazy talk. If we can't agree that grooming our children in a public square, in a public park, is wrong, lewd, lasciviousness, and inappropriate, then we've lost our ever-loving mind. So we're fighting this locally right now and trying to wake our Republican elected city council members up to the fact that they just need to do their job and enforce the doggone laws and quit cowering every time these cultural bullies kick sand in their face. Dr. Piper, I'm um, saddened to have to say that the experience you just described was mild uh, the monopoly money, the tips, and so on and so forth, compared to what is happening in various parts of the country right now related to these these family-friendly, all-age-appropriate, as they call them, drag shows. Um, I'm looking at one right now that I saw two days ago, and this is in Texas somewhere. I want to say Austin. Pro- no, it's Plano. Beg your pardon. It's in Plano, Texas. And uh, the first person uh, account here from a woman who was there, writes for The Blaze, said, I attended another all-ages drag brunch in Plano, Texas over the weekend, and the footage I have is shocking. Now, the, the twerking and the dancing and the spreading legs in front of little kids of grown men wearing lingerie-type outfits is, is there. You're talking about Shania Twain, I feel like a woman playing. That would be a church hymn compared to the one I'm looking at, where the the song playing in the background and being lip-synced by the performer, a male, dressed as I described in drag, and I'm going to use the the anatomically correct word vagina to tell you what these lyrics are. This is not the word that is used. That is a, it is, of course, the profane euphemism for vagina. My vagina good, vagina sweet, vagina good enough to eat, blank me all night, is part of the chorus of this song that is being played and sung in front of children and worse, Dr. Piper, their parents. And when I say worse, 
is because they are the ones responsible for their children's presence there. They brought them to this. They think this is okay. They're laughing and clapping. And Dr. Piper, this is one of a dozen little video clips that I have in front of me from places all around the country. And do you know when this started? You remember, because we talked about it two years ago when Drag Queen Story Hour became a thing. And we were told we were prudish pearl clutchers for daring to question the idea of drag queens reading library books to kids. They said, what is the matter with you? What's wrong? This is promoting reading. And we said, slippery slope, slippery slope. Soon they won't be reading. They'll be dancing. And now they are dancing in the most lewd, profane ways. And they're teaching the kids to either A, tip them, or B, mimic them and learn how to twerk and learn how to do the same dances themselves. Dr. Piper, this is the slippery slope. Uh, I mean, I think it was John MacArthur, a pastor on the West Coast, that said a few years ago that if God doesn't judge America, he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. And maybe that was hyperbolic at the time, but it certainly isn't now. I mean, this scenario that you just painted is exactly what was taking place in Sodom and Gomorrah, and, ju- and God judged it accordingly. And then Peter comes along in his epistle in the New Testament and confirms that God's judgment was upon Sodom and Gomorrah. For those reasons, Jude cites the same thing in his epistle in the New Testament. Obviously, Paul call- calls it out in Romans and Corinthians, and then Jesus actually condemns it in the end uh, chapter, the final chapter of Revelation. So this is covered broadly. Another thing, if I, as long as I'm on a biblical re- response to your, your scenario, these folks need to remember that Jesus himself, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 6, if my memory is correct here, said, Woe unto those who lead little children astray and cause them to stumble. It would be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the sea. It seems that Jesus is elevating this particular sin of leading little children astray to a higher level than perhaps other sins that we could commit. It would be better for these people, parents included, to have a millstone tied around their neck and drowned in the ocean than to be caught doing this kind of stuff to the kids and stealing their innocence as the result. Well, Dr. Piper, this is a good spot for our break because I will take what you just said and what we just described and segue it to the other article we're going to discuss, the one that says trans-identifying students increase 991% over two years in wealthy D.C. suburb. Gee, do you really wonder if there is a relationship between taking little kids and perverting their... W-H-K. Celebrating 100 years in Cleveland. Okay, 1025, I've got five minutes left to let Dr. Uh, Everett Piper try to make some sense out of this. Students who reject their biological sex, Dr. Piper, are skyrocketing in Montgomery County public schools, increasing almost 11-fold since the school introduced a gender support form in 2019. So we're talking three years, two and a half, three years ago. Uh, according to self-reported data, with a population that topped $1 million in 2020 and a median family income of $111,000, this uh, Montgomery County, Maryland community lies just north of the Washington, D.C., of Washington, D.C., is the largest 
largest school district in the state, and this uh, increase in trans-identifying students is 991%. Boy, there's an awful lot of people who have psychological delusions in that community, isn't there? You know, um, I think I think I've got this quote right too. I think it was Hitler that said, "Let me control the textbooks, and I will control the state." Mm-hmm. What's the point here? If you control education, you're controlling the future of your culture. You can control the if you control the kids, you're going to control the country. Education matters. Ideas have consequences. I've said this repeatedly on your show over the last year or two. Richard Weaver's seminal work, 1948, was titled Ideas Have Consequences. And what was his point? You don't need to even open the book up. Read the cover. Ideas have consequences. They always matter. They always bear fruit. Good ideas bear good kids, good culture, good community, good country, good church. And bad ideas will bear the exact opposite. No idea lies fallow. All ideas have consequences, and they will lead us somewhere. They're directional. There's no such thing as value neutrality. That's a ruse. That's a lie. We always are going to fill the vacuum with something. And when you expunge a biblical worldview from our schools and from our culture, when you take that out of the mix, you've got a vacuum. What's going to fill the vacuum? Terrible ideas, unconstitutional ideas, immoral ideas, and you have impressionable young minds. That's the point of education, is to take these young minds and mold them into something positive. That's why we have schools in the first place. So when these people act like they're surprised that there's a rise in in gender confusion in Montgomery County, nearly a 1,000% increase over the last couple years, why in the world are they surprised? The, The moral of this story, Bob, is their grooming is working. They are groomers. That's what they're doing. They're grooming your children to be confused about their sexuality, and then they're inserting into that confusion an answer. And the answer is, you can be anything you want to be. You're not a boy. You're not a girl. You can deny science. You can deny reality. You can deny biology. You can deny genetics. You can embrace our neo-Gnosticism because you've got special knowledge as a 10-year-old over and above what your parents think you are and tell you what you are and what your doctor said you were when you were born, and you can declare that you're something different. Your physical reality doesn't matter anymore. This is the crap that these groomers are teaching our kids, and it is no surprise that as our kids drink the Kool-Aid that they buy the lie. This is a direct consequence of our schools, people, and if you don't get your kids out of these Propaganda, propaganda mills, they're going to be corrupted in heart, mind, body, and soul. The data proves it. It does. And, uh, you know, Bill Maher, the comedian who's left of saying, he might even be an atheist. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure, but he pointed this out a few weeks ago and we talked about it. The, the, the number of people who are quote unquote trans or who want to transition from one sex to another and something is, 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 has grown so exponentially. He said, is it really possible that God made this many mistakes? And, and, and he, of course, says it somewhat tongue-in-cheek, because, like I said, I think he's atheist. But essentially, he's saying that, you know, what we all know to be less than 1% of the actual population has the condition called gender dysphoria, a legitimate psychological condition that can and should be treated. He's basically saying, you know, less than 1% becomes 25% of the population, or at least 25% of Gen Z. Do we really think that God put the wrong body around the uh, the wrong minds in all of these cases, or are too many kids being as you say, groomed, coerced, recruited uh, into the trendy new alternative lifestyle that is being forced upon them. 
again, ideas always have consequences. Who in their right mind would suggest that taking an eight-year-old boy or girl to these drag queen performances like you just described in the previous segment, who would suggest that that is not going to have some sort of effect on that young mind? Of course they're going to be taking this information in, this entertainment, quote-unquote, into their mind, into their brain, into their soul, and they're going to start thinking that they need to do something about it. And if they don't have parents or a church or a school or a teacher or a coach that is pushing them toward the right answer, what is the risk here? A lot of these kids are going to embrace the wrong answer. They're going to deny reality, and they're going to follow uh, the Pied Piper, no pun intended here, they're going to follow the Pied Piper like a bunch of lemmings over the cliffs of this gender-neutral disaster. It is a groomer's dream. That's what's going on. You've nailed it when you called it that. It's exactly what we're seeing, the success of grooming in our schools. It's one of the reasons why talk radio is one of the last bastions of true free speech. We can say groomers and stay on the air. You try to type that in one of the social media um, uh, platforms, their algorithms, uh, flags will, will go off. Their sirens go off. Somebody said groomer, and immediately you are banned or suspended or, or whatever you want to call it. So uh, we will continue to tell the truth here, and we'll continue to invite you to do so every Thursday. Dr. Piper, thank you so much. All right, blessings. Bye-bye. 1031. We're going to talk to the next senator of the state of Ohio, J.D. Vance, coming up next on AM 1420, The Answer. Take Bob on the go by downloading the WHK Radio app on the Google Play Store. Spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always write radio with Bob France on The Answer. Well, we're trying to bring you the end of Tim Ryan's political career, uh, which <laughs> which took place in Youngstown on Monday on the debate stage. We had it all ready to go, and suddenly we can't hear it now. Not exactly sure why, but you're just going to have to take my word for it. Uh, J.D. Vance, the next senator from the great state of Ohio, ready to fill the seat uh, currently occupied by Rob Portman, did exactly what needed to be done on Monday, except for throw his hands in the air after the knockout punch. J.D. Vance joins us now on Ham 1420, The Answer, to talk about where we are at this stage of this very, very important race. J.D., good morning. Good to have you. How are you? Um, Bob, it's been a little while. Great to be with you. Good to talk to you. Do you ever think about, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fight fan. Uh, I, I love TKOs where the, you know, the, the guy's got his opponent up against the ropes and it's just bang, 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 and there's no response. The referee steps in. First thing the guy does, the, the, the winner does is throw his fist in the air. I wanted you to throw your fist in the air in, in, in Youngstown. I, that, that's just, just to culminate it. I mean, because that's the kind of knockout that I think you delivered. I didn't feel that way after the first one in Cleveland. I thought you did a good job. I thought you won the debate. I didn't see the TKO I wanted to see. I saw it on Monday. How did you feel when it ended? You know, I, I definitely felt very good. It's, it's, I, I felt that I got a couple of really good lines. Of course, the one, you know, where, where I, I think you probably were trying to, to show where, uh, both Tim Ryan and the moderator basically accused me of being a racist uh, because I, I care about the southern border. 
Um, and, and I just thought it was such a good setup for how ridiculous of a fraud Jim Ryan is and how even though he pretends to support policies the majority of Ohioans agrees with, he actually, at the first opportunity, decided to call me a racist over this over this immigration question. Uh, so I, I definitely thought that was a good hit. I, I will say, you know, I felt better actually after the first debate, and I'm sure a lot of this is in the eye of the beholder. Mm-hmm. Part of it is probably, Bob, that so many people watched the first debate and not as many people watched the second debate. So I thought we took care of business in both. Uh, I think that we're, we're very much in the lead and also with the momentum. So part of what I was trying to do was just not make a mistake that would somehow you know, snatch, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Uh, and I think we, we did more than that. I think we did deliver a bit of a knockout. And it's interesting uh, how, how the Ryan campaign and even the media has reacted to that second debate. Well, you know, um, I felt for you um, because your righteous indignation came out, which is what I wanted to see more of in the first debate, too, because you're right. He literally was calling you a racist. If you want a border wall, if you want border security and protection from the lethal uh, fentanyl, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, amount of drugs that are that are crossing that border, the human trafficking and all the things we talk about, suddenly you're a racist. Does he not know that you're married to an Indian American woman and that you have biracial children? Was this news to him? How does he come at you, uh, you know, in, 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 in your own personal experience, in your own personal family, and say you're a racist if you want border security? I, it, it's astounding to me that he even tried that. And I'm glad you expressed your righteous indignation, and I'm also glad, J.D., that he said to you, oh, looks like I've, uh, you know, hit a button or hit a trigger with you or something. And you said, you're doggone right you hit a nerve with me. You're attacking my family and calling me racist over wanting border security. That is exactly what I think Americans and Ohioans in particular here need to hear yeah no i appreciate that bob and i i mean i was i was pissed off um i you know i almost couldn't believe it because you have to remember if you step back a little bit the last four or five months right we've been inundated with this messaging that somehow tim ryan is is a reasonable moderate that's the entire purpose of his campaign is to run away from his own record and to really just lie directly to the people of ohio about what he's actually done so he runs away from it and at the same time you know what percentage of us in the, in the state of Ohio care about border security, Bob? I mean, what is it, 80%, 90%? He immediately jumps to the point that the border is all about concern with racism. And I, I just think it's such a preposterous argument. And, and, and the media in particular, Bob, uses this to silence dissent. This is, they don't care about uplifting minorities. They don't care about giving more opportunities uh, to black and brown Ohioans. They care about silencing dissent on an issue of critical national importance. And the fact that Tim Ryan was willing to play that game for a political victory really, really pissed me off in light of how he had run his campaign. And I just said that, and I think it came through, and I agree. I definitely think it was an effective, it was an effective moment. We're talking to J.D. Vance, uh, Republican candidate and soon-to-be next senator from the great state of Ohio. Um, you, know, you know what else, since we're using that vernacular, pissed me off uh, in that same segment or or part of the debate he virtually accused you of the murders of the uh, uh people in the grocery store in buffalo I, yeah. I i'm trying to find out I, I, i'm trying to make that leap how he and his team thought that would be a good line to say wait a minute jd opposes 
you know, an unchecked border, an open border. He actually wants border security. That's because he's racist, and that's because he's afraid of great replacement theory. And you know who else was uh, was uh, afraid of great replacement theory? The shooter in Buffalo, and he went and killed a bunch of black people in a grocery store in Buffalo, so therefore J.D. Vance is to blame. You talk about taking leaps, J.D. I, it made me sick to my stomach. It made me angry. I think I probably cursed at my television. When I watched that, trying to connect you to something graphic like that simply because you want border security. That's, I don't know. I, I'm looking for words. Maybe you can offer some. Well, it, it's like five degrees of separation, right? It's like, you know, Bob France knows J.D. Vance, and uh, J.D. Vance once gave his, his children too much Halloween candy. Uh, therefore, Bob France doesn't like doesn't like public <laughs> health in children. I, I, you know, it's it just, you know, you, you get it's so far away from the core issue that I think 99% of us look around and say, well, what, what is this guy really talking about? It doesn't make any sense. I was very surprised that he went there, but I honestly, I wasn't so much angry at that, Bob. It's just confused by it. I was like, what is this guy talking about? And I assume that if I don't know what he's talking about, 90% of the, the people of Ohio are going to share that confusion. And, and there were a couple of issues like that, Bob, where, you know, he, he was talking about issues. I mean, first of all, the great replacement theory. I, I was talking to Scott Sands about this a couple of days ago. I'm sure you know Scott, or at least I know do. of Scott. And, you know, Scott's a smart guy, obviously a very well-informed guy, and he told me he had to look up what the great replacement theory even was. So I thought it was bizarre that they went there. And, look, you know, I don't like to work the rest, and I don't like to criticize these moderators, but I do think that, that, that D'Souza, the, the guy who was moderating, you know, from my perspective on the, on the far left, uh, which is maybe appropriate, but maybe from the audience's perspective, was, he was on the right, uh, you know, why even ask about that to begin with? Um, and, and you know what they didn't ask about? They didn't ask about schools. They didn't ask about indoctrination. They didn't ask about the fact that many school, um, you know, t- many teachers unions are still talking about taking our children out of school because of COVID. You know, we're now nearly, what, two, three years into this thing. Uh, they asked one question about the economy. They asked one question about crime. And I, I afterwards, and I, and I should have made this point, this is a mistake, I should have made this point during the debate, but I couldn't believe how far the moderator's questions were, especially D'Souza, from the actual focus of most voters in Ohio. Yeah, uh, I concur. Um, and, and that is very aggravating for me, too. And I think voters in Ohio, they're looking for answers to the things that most impact them uh, in middle class, middle class Ohio, middle class America. And you're right. They, they focus so much more on the personal attacks. And, the, and in fact, I want to, you know, you can't do it in a debate. You shouldn't have to. You should be talking about these substantive issues. But in an interview like this, I want to give you a little bit more room here to explain the Alex Jones thing. I know exactly what you, you were talking about. I know exactly what you meant when you talked about uh, Rachel Maddow and her uh, uh, credibility as a news source. You know what? It's no more credible than, than, uh, you know, than InfoWars. Um, and, and, and they turned that into you are a big fan and a big supporter of the guy who said that the, uh, that the uh, uh, Sandy Hook massacre never happened, that it was all, an, it was all a, you know, a staged situation. Can you go a little bit further into that to clarify for anybody who doesn't know what you actually said? Yeah, it's really simple, uh, Bob. All, all I said, and of course, I've never defended and would never defend what Alex Jones said about Sandy Hook. Um, and he, you know, of course, he himself has apologized and now, uh, of, of course, has been prosecuted uh, by, by the families for, for defamation and for libel. So set that to the side. They're trying to put words in my mouth there, and I'm not going to take the bait. The, the, the simple point that I make is that this guy is perceived by many on the far left as the worst possible conspiracy theorist. 
even as they pay attention to a person who peddles a ton of conspiracy theories, Rachel Maddow, and they treat her as some sort of reputable journalist. And that was really the entire point of what I said is, is the hypocrisy of the media and of the far left when they take one source as credible, they dismiss another source as a conspiracy theorist. But, you know, have they ever really reckoned with the fact that our country was its best for two years with a Maddow conspiracy theory force that Russia had stolen the election uh, for Donald Trump in 2016? Have they ever reckoned with, I mean, how many crazy things did we hear over the last four years? You know, there was, there was the crazy bounty story uh, that somehow Trump was complicit in bounties being placed on the heads of U.S. soldiers. There was this idea that he was hiding the nuclear codes in Mar-a-Lago. That was just a few months ago. Right. And, and really my point here is there's a ton of hypocrisy with the media. They believe these crazy conspiracy theories. The far left does it, and they never have to reckon with it. They never have to apologize. They never have to admit that they made a terrible mistake. And that hypocrisy is one of the reasons why I think they've gone completely off the rails. We're talking to J.D. Vance, next senator from the state of Ohio. He he decimated, in my view, Tim Ryan from uh, virtually every angle on Monday in Youngstown, in his own back. By the way, why his backyard? Why nothing down uh, in southern Ohio? You know, it's 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 so funny, Bob. Um, we we tried to do three debates, and every time that the Ryan people suggested a date for us to do a third debate or even a second debate, it took a long time to get us to two debates. Uh, it was always a date where we already had a publicly available calendar that said we had a conflict on that date. So they kept on basically trying to force us to cancel our grassroots events or our fundraising events for these debates. And we just kept on saying, no, we're not going to cancel things we've already scheduled. So we just couldn't get anything in the Cincinnati area. Of course, that's where I live, Cincinnati. Uh, the other reason, Bob, is Youngstown is his home turf. But it's also, I think, a, an area more than maybe any other area, not just of the state, but of the country, that's been de- betrayed by Democrat policies over the last 40 years. So I thought, you know, what better opportunity for me to go into his home turf and explain why his policies have been a failure for his own congressional district? And, and I will say, Bob, I, I know you're in the Cleveland area. We went to, to Yankee Kitchen uh, right before, you know, we had sort of a pre-debate uh, meal at Yankee Kitchen. My wife was there and a couple of our campaign staff, and probably a dozen people came up to me and said, I used to vote Democrat. I'm voting for you because Tim Ryan's had his chance. And he hasn't done a damn thing. And I heard that message so consistently that I think we're going to do really well in Tim Ryan's backyard. I actually think we're going to win his congressional district this time around. That would be amazing. And you did quote one of those uh, gentlemen, I think, uh, during the debate, which was great. Uh, JD, I'm going to ask you about the Trump factor. Um, he won Ohio by eight and a half points twice in 2016 and 2020. He's extraordinarily popular here. It should be a big, big boost to you to really embrace that. I was, I'm speaking to his attack on you, the ass kisser thing, and 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 you know Trump's joke. In the first one, the Cleveland debate. Uh, it bothered me because I, in personal opinion, here I, I I would have come out. I would have been as ticked off about that as you were about being called a racist in the second one. Um, I wanted you to say. President Trump and I are good friends. President Trump and I is a ball buster, and he does bust balls, and we do joke with each other. And it, and guess what? At the end of the day, we see eye to eye on America first. We see eye to eye on inflation, on economy, on the border, on taxes, and and all of the things that you see eye to eye with. Because Ohio loves President Trump. Like I said, huge victories twice. 
uh, he tries to essentially paint you as just being, you know, the butt kisser of President Trump. I thought you did a much better job. You quoted, or you said he was referring to or joking about a New York Times article. I didn't know what that was. Can you speak a little bit more to your relationship with President Trump and how what he said to you was not what Tim Ryan made it out to be? Yeah, I appreciate that question, Bob. And you're probably right. I could have been a little more aggressive about that in the first debate. What I was thinking at the time is, you know, one, President Trump is very popular in the state, and Tim Ryan is accusing me of being close to Donald Trump. Is that really something I even need to rebut, or do I just let that stand on its own merits? Because it's, it's politically stupid, I think, what Tim Ryan tried to accuse me of. But, so here's the story. So we had a, we had a, we had a rally with the president. And I do talk to him uh, very frequently on September the 17th in Youngstown. That very morning, and I was really pissed off about this, that very morning, the New York Times came out with a story that said that Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania and J.D. Vance in Ohio didn't want Donald Trump to come and rally with them. And this was shocking to me because every time I had been asked about it publicly, I said, absolutely, we'd love to have the president, and I think that he will come. And so on the morning of our rally, they didn't have a single source, not even an anonymous source from our campaign, and they reported that we were unhappy with it. Now, they had to change their headline, of course, because, again, it was a completely fabricated story. Uh, but before you know, before President spoke on the rally on the 17th, he and I were talking about this story, and he was like, can you believe they published that? And I was like, no, sir, I can't. Uh, it's unbelievable what you guys have had to deal with, and I'm just getting a small taste of it as a political candidate myself the unbelievable lying and dishonesty of the mainstream media, especially the New York Times, was just really, it got us both fired up. And then went out there and he told a joke about it. And he was like, look, even if J.D. didn't like me, of course he'd want me here because I'm so popular in the state of Ohio, which, by the way, is true. Even if I didn't talk to the president, I would still want him to come to the state of Ohio because he's popular. And that really, that's the entire point of what Trump said. And I find it kind of hilarious that Tim Ryan's trying to make a political issue out of it. I, I just, I, at the end of the day, I don't really care. Like you said, the president's a ball buster. We, we joke with each other. It's not an issue that I care about even a little bit. If Tim Ryan wants to make an issue out of it, whatever, I don't care. You know, the flip side of that, of course, is when the moderator tried to get you to say something negative about Trump. Tell, give me something you disagree with Trump about. And then he tried to do the same thing with, uh, with, uh, with Ryan. And you have pointed out many times in both debates and in a lot of your ads <clears throat> that he has literally voted 100% of, this is an astounding thing. A lot of times you'll see, you know, votes with Nancy Pelosi 96% of the time, blah, blah, blah. Hun- never once voted against Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer, the Joe Biden agenda. And yet, Joe Biden, the president of the United States, is not being invited by Tim Ryan to come to Ohio to campaign for him. He, he is in lockstep with all of the legislation that the Biden administration and the leadership in the Congress uh, pushes on their platform, but yet he doesn't want him bringing uh, you know, that, that albatross that he is to the state of Ohio. And, and uh, the moderators never demanded that he answer. He danced and never said, here's something I disagreed with Nancy Pelosi on. All he said was, well, I once wanted to be the speaker. That's all he ever said. Right. Yeah, that's that's disagreeing with her on political ambition, not on substance. On the substance, but like you said, he, he is with her 100% of the time. And, you know, it, it really is is insane to me how much he's run away from his party, given his voting record. You know, I, I think that if Ryan actually was independent, he would have voted against this ridiculously named Inflation Reduction Act. He would have maybe, like, he doesn't have to be pro-life like I am, 
but maybe don't vote for the 40-week of gestation right up until the moment of birth abortion um, bill at, at the federal level. Maybe don't vote to federalize American elections. It, it's not just it, don't call for an end to cash bail. It, it's not just the things where you would expect Democrats to agree on. He always aligns with the far left of his party. And at the same time, he tries to run away from every single position he sells, from inflation to taxes to spending to banning gas-powered cars to crime. And, and I, I think we're finally at a point, Bob, where I, I feel the momentum, in part because the people of Ohio are finally getting through what a fraud he is and how different his record is from the campaign that he's tried to run. Well, I loved your line, too, you know, since you brought up inflation. You know, he talks about a tax cut is the right thing to do here, and you called it a gimmick. And, it, and he tried to call you on that, and he said, no, tax cuts are a good idea, but when you say it, it's a gimmick because you don't do it. You'll never do it. Right. Uh, it is just for, it, it's just for campaign purposes here. And it's true. He is, his, his, his mouth, uh, you know, he has walked to walk and never, t- or he's talked to talk, rather, and never walked the walk to back that up. So, so real quick on the inflation issue, I find this uh, pretty amazing. Uh, yesterday, Biden announced that he He's uh, releasing another 15 million barrels uh, and bragging about how, you know, we're selling them off at 90, 90 bucks a barrel. And, uh, you know, when we're going to replenish it at 70, we're saving money. Well, Tim Ryan was among the Democrats who voted against allowing Trump to restock the Strategic Petroleum Reserve at $24 a barrel just a couple of years ago. Uh, they said, no, we're not going to let you do it. And now they're bragging about how much money they're going to save if they buy them at 70. Does this guy have any credibility whatsoever on the infl- inflation issue and the energy? crisis no of course he doesn't bob i mean he called for an end to fracking he called for a ban on fracking on federal lands and now of course he says he's the ally of the natural gas industry and my question is well if they're not allowed to frack how exactly are we supposed to have a natural gas industry at all that's where we get the natural gas from is from fracking he supported the president when he shut down the keystone xl pipeline that's one of the main reasons why we saw immediately skyrocketing energy prices the thing about this, Bob, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. If we had a halfway honest corporate media, this would be a national scandal. The president is drawing down one of the core strategic assets of the country. People ask, why do we have it? We have it so that if we get in a war, God forbid, with China or Russia, our tanks and our planes have gasoline. The president is depleting that reserve so that he has lower gas prices that he doesn't get as big of a shellacking for, for his party in November. This is atrocious. I've never seen a president do anything like this. It should be a nonstop, around-the-wall story, but it's not because the media is such a joke. That's why we have to keep hammering yeah, but you you obviously don't get it though. Uh, you know, I mean, he, why why do we need all of that uh, petroleum reserve for tanks and planes when we can run those on electric batteries? You know, I mean, that's <laughs> I, and that's why I understand it. That's uh, that's how it's supposed to go. We're supposed to transition. I mean, it, it is really a ridiculous thing. And I say the last thing here because. You can joke about this all day long because it's funny, but it's just so serious too. He's ripping yesterday the oil company, saying that they are making record profits. And he's demanding that they lower their prices at the at the at the gas stations uh, and and limit those profits. And I'm thinking to myself, how on earth can you tell an industry that you want to wipe out? You literally have pledged that you will end that they can't make as much money as they can now before you actually run them all out of business. How are you telling them not to try to earn money now before you? And you've heard this plenty of times, but just just to, just to hit it. You don't have to agree, but I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, 
We're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate with you, okay? I'm going to end fossil fuel. No more oil drilling of any kind whatsoever. And by the way, you oil companies, you better stop charging so much right now. You better accept your fate. Uh, I mean, it's astounding, J.D. Oh, it, it really is, Bob. And meanwhile, you have uh, people in his administration saying, you know, invest in new refineries, invest in fossil fuel capacity, but in 10 years, we're going to completely ban fossil fuels. Well, no business is going to make that investment. I mean, a, a refinery, to get a return on investment, it takes 10 years to begin with. I mean, you're talking about billions of dollars of capital investment. It takes 10 years to get anything out of that to really justify it. But, but this is exactly why we have the energy prices we do. This brings us to maybe the worst argument that Democrats make to defend their inflationary policies. They look to Europe. And they say, well, Europe has inflation, too, so clearly it's not something the Biden administration is doing. Well, what is Europe doing? Europe is borrowing and spending even more money that they don't have, and they're also waging war on their native fossil fuel industry, the very thing that's driving inflation here. So the fact that the Europeans have idiotic policies is not a defense of the Biden administration. It actually reinforces how big of a mistake they're making. That is perfectly well said. But there you go, bringing common sense and reason into an argument, which, of course, is not usually welcome in Democrat spheres. Uh, J.D. Vance, uh, terrific job in the debate. you got three weeks left. Anything uh, anything you want to leave people with in the, uh, well, 19 days, I think, right? 19 days away from the election? Uh, last, yeah. last, last thought. Well, I don't want it to be the last thought. I want to talk to you again in the week of the election, but uh, last thought for now. Of course, Bob. First of all, folks, go to JDVance.com if they want to support us. Uh, really, the goal here, Bob, is word of mouth. Um, talk to your friends. Tell them why you're voting for me. Tell them why Tim Ryan is a fraud. And if we just have every single person who listens to you talk to a few of their friends, we're, I, I really think we're going to win this race, and we're going to win it in a big way. Well, you better. We need you to. We absolutely need you to. J.D., keep up the good work. Keep up the good fight. And we'll talk to you again as we get closer and closer to November 8th. Thanks, Bob. Take care, man. Thank, thank you. J.D. Vance joining us. It's 1101. We're late for news. We'll come back. Uh, how about you react to that? Your thoughts on that Senate race? Is J.D. right? Is he going to win big? Or are we in, uh, we, in, we in trouble here? I would love to hear from you. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110 after the news. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and Keeping Medicare Simple. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Onward we roll into hour number three on AM 1420, the answer hour number six for me, as I did the uh, Hugh Hewitt show this morning, so trying to make sure the voice holds out after last night's speech to the uh, Lakewood West Park Conservative Club, and thank you again to Keith Davey and team for that invitation at a great time. Steve Loomis spoke there as well about issue one, extremely important. We'll have to have Steve on, ASAP. Uh, to talk about that, you need to understand how important issue one is. You have to pass issue one and you have to pass issue two. They're very, very important. Issue one is about safety from criminals. As uh, <laughs> it's, it's astounding to think, but judges have the ability, if issue one does not pass, <clears throat> to consider only flight risk when deciding what kind of a bond uh, to, uh, to slap on... Um, accused of murderers and accused violent criminals. They're not allowed to consider issues, or not, I'm sorry, not that they're not allowed, they're not required to consider public safety. They're not required to consider witness safety in each of these cases, and they're just letting these people go. Uh, very, very important that we make sure that it is stated very explicitly uh, on issue one that uh, people who are threats to the community, that has to be considered when uh, deciding on bail or bond. Issue two is equally as important, making sure that illegal aliens can not vote. Non-citizens can not vote in the state of Ohio. So those have to pass big time. So we talked about all of that last night. Uh, I enjoyed the uh, the conversations very much, and I appreciate uh, everybody that we spoke with and everybody that was there. But anyway, we did that, then we did Hugh, and now we do this. So I'm uh, struggling just a little bit to keep the pipes going strong, but I think I can make it through. And I can certainly do it with help from you at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. I wanted to hit this just super quick uh, because I just did the conversation with J.D. Vance, which was terrific. I think J.D. is just really hitting his stride. He sound, you know, who did I speak with? Um, Oh, it was Jack Windsor. I was speaking to Jack Windsor on Monday night after the debate. And uh, he said, isn't it amazing how polished and how calm and how uh, prepared J.D. Vance looks compared to Tim Ryan? And Tim Ryan's the one who's been in Congress for 20 years. He's been through the wars for 20 years in Congress, talking about the campaign wars. J.D. Vance is a newcomer, and J.D. Vance just looked and sounded so much better. Uh, it's not even close. So we just had J.D. on, and I'm curious as to your thoughts about that. One thing we did not uh, get, get a chance to talk about, though, was uh, Tim Ryan's call for um, you know, bail reform, no cash bail, which is exactly what I was just talking about. Issue one is so important about. Uh, Tim Ryan doesn't believe that uh, there should be bail requirements, that uh, these poor, misunderstood, violent criminals – you know, they, should, they shouldn't have to put up money just to get their freedom while they await their trial. I mean, that's just me. What kind of a heartless person are you? It's really, really ridiculous. Um, so we didn't get a chance to talk about that. If you want to work it in, we can. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Let's go to uh, the phones, and I think we're going to go to Westlake. And Vince is first on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Vince. Good morning, Bob. Thanks again for taking my call. Really you appreciate bet. it. You bet. Um, two quick po- two quick points. Um, number one on the, uh, the the Republican versus Democrat and who's more engaged, who's more uh, out there and pushing for it. I can just tell you my experience this week alone. I've called the Republican Party in Cuyahoga County three times, three times. 
this week to try to get uh, information on where I can volunteer at, where I can hand out information, where I can help out at the poll, whatever, whatever they need. I'm here. Right. Right. Uh, I've yet I've yet to get a return phone call. At the same time, a good friend of mine who you've spoken to on this program um, went to vote at an early voting in that, and he says there's nothing but Democrats handing out all their uh, information on their candidates and not right. one Republican, which again prompted me to call again down to the Cuyahoga County Republican Party, and again, I've gotten no phone call. So that's, I just give me that bit of information to see where we're at and, you know, why this is happening. And perhaps with, you know, your influence, maybe. maybe no, I, you know, listen, listen, Vince, you know, my, my friend, sadly, this is a very recurring uh, theme and report. I'm getting more and more people telling me the exact same experiences. They're calling the Calgary County GOP, not getting answered. Uh, they can't even leave messages now. In some cases, I got a guy call me today saying the, the box is full. So clearly they're not listening to them. They're not responding to the phone calls. And some people just want to know where they can go to get yard signs so they can put up yard signs or, as you say, hand out things out at the um, uh, at the uh, uh, boards of education, boards of education, the uh, the uh, 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 boards of elections, and they can't even get them. Right. They can't get those, you know, right. those right. those those handouts, those little mailers, or whatever. So, Vince, I wish I had some influence. I wish I knew how to get the Cuyahoga County GOP organized. But the speech that I made last night, or excuse me, at the speech I was giving last night, I talked to a lot of people who are part of Cuyahoga County GOP, and they're. Ex- Extremely frustrated because they have the exact same things. They can't get the yard signs. They can't communicate with. Uh, uh, they're not communicating with with volunteers, would be poll workers, poll watchers, uh, and and as you say, volunteers outside of the board of elections. It's it's just so frustrating when you're already swimming uphill. Or that's not a, that's a that's a mixed metaphor. When you are already uh, swimming upstream is what you would do. You don't swim on a hill. Right, and right. you're going against the tide, <laughs> which is a big, which is a big blue area. You have to do everything right, and and they're not. You know, the Republicans are in a huge Democrat-controlled area, and they and they are just not uh, giving the volunteers and the supporters like you what you need to uh, you know to make the difference. And I don't understand why, Vince. I really wish I had an answer. So, and uh, my 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 second issue, real quick, is. Uh, you're looking at the uh, the resignation of the uh, the recent British Prime Minister. She yeah. was in office what forty days, 40, forty-five like days. Yeah, yeah. And I, I want people to so, you know, I, history is a great teacher if we pay attention to it. Okay, and uh, and I, I fear that not enough people are paying attention to history. And look at the downfall. Look at the steady decline of the great empire of Great Britain that happened since World War II. When they got rid of Churchill, uh, Churchill was you know no longer the uh, the prime minister and involved, and they started voting in socialist policies and socialist uh, leaders ever since then. And you take a look at where they're at now, and it, it's it's a skeleton of what it once was. And if, if people don't think that this country is not on that path, then they're either intellectually corrupt or they're intellectually bankrupt, and 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 they're not paying attention and. God help us if if we don't get these things resolved, like the previous issue you and I just talked about, not having you know being able to get people engaged in that. But we need to wake up and take control, and and that's all it's I've got great, today, Bob. It's a great I comparison, everything brother. Everything you do, brother. Thank you, Vince. Thank you. I appreciate you, man. 
Uh, it's a great, great uh, comparison uh, to what's going on in the U.K. and, and what would be going on here. Because uh, if you can't see the similarities, then your eyes are, are shut. You, squeeze, you have your eyes squeezed shut tight. you got your fingers and ears, and you're singing, la, 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 I can't hear you like a five-year-old. Because uh, that's truth. Vince, thank you, brother. Uh, let's go next to um, John in Chardon. Hi, John. Go ahead, sir. Hey, yo, Bob. Uh, Jay, I have a prediction. J.D. Vance is going to win big time, and he's going to be a great U.S. senator. Uh, last week, uh, they had a fundraiser luncheon out near where I live in Chesterland. And so I attended, and I had a chance to speak with him. And he told me, he, I told him he reminds me of Ted Cruz because they both think along the same lines. And they're both hard-nosed, common-sense conservatives. So lo and behold, I get an email yesterday with an event that's coming up where Ted Cruz is coming in to to spend time with the J.D. Yep, you're exactly right. He's going to be uh, in Medina, and guess what? He's going to be live on this program tomorrow. Uh, for that exact reason. Ted Cruz is going to be on tomorrow at 11.10 a.m. We're going to talk about J.D., and we're going to talk about what it takes uh, to, you know, what it's going to take to win this uh, Senate majority for the Republicans and for the conservatives and what kind of a role J.D. can play once he gets there. I'm telling you, I fully expect this, and I didn't during all of the primaries. I mean, he has had, in my opinion, he has had to earn the support of real conservatives, because there's not a ton of conservatism in J.D.'s history that, that was apparent. But I will tell you, over, after getting to know him over the course of the last 10 months or so, since the primary fight and through the, you know, the, the summer and this, uh, uh, in this uh, general election against Ryan, I have gotten to know him better, I've gotten to listen to him more, and I think he's going to be a far more effective conservative senator than Rob Portman has ever been. I agree totally, Bob. Yep. Fingers crossed that we're right. I can see it crystal clear. He's, he's, I mean, I followed Portman, uh, you know, and he really didn't do anything. You know, he was kind of a lightweight. Well, and, you know, the, the, the thing to me is, uh, and, and a lot of people point, and thank you for the call, John, by the way, a lot of people point to this, and I'm not, I don't cast aspersions against anybody, and I certainly would never tell um I, I don't want to delve into anybody's family business, but it was very, very telling what Senator Portman believed until he found out um, about his son's orientation. He was totally opposed to same-sex marriage. He was a believer in the biblical definition of marriage, which is between one man and one woman. Uh, he knew that marriage was not in the Constitution. So it is not something that should be uh, subject to being added to the Constitution. And then he found out that his uh, son, uh, you know, found out about his orientation, and suddenly he pivoted. Once it's personal to him, and now the policy that he believed in um, no longer applied. That's weak to me. Um, I don't begrudge anybody, like I said, for handling their family how they want to handle their family. And I would love my children, no matter what you know their circumstances were too, but it wouldn't change my public um, viewpoint or my public position on an issue that is of great importance, I think, to this society and to this culture and to the nuclear family and the ability for us to uh, continue to grow in prosperity. The nuclear family needs to be... Uh, protected, so you know these things. These things matter. If they matter to you in 
one circumstance, they should matter to you even if your personal family circumstance changes. That's all. He has also voted far too many times with the Democrats on key crucial issues, including spending matters that I have a big problem with. So anyway, this isn't a bash Rob Portman moment because I want to thank Rob Portman, too, for being such a huge supporter of the D-Day prayer project that uh, Chris Long and the Ohio Christian Alliance uh, has put together that is adding the uh, the D-Day prayer to the World War II Memorial. I will be in D.C. on November 11th, Veterans Day, emceeing a very special commemorative moment as they uh, celebrate the addition of that prayer. Rob Portman was instrumental in it. So was uh, uh, Congressman Bill Johnson. And uh, so I, I want to give credit where credit is due, but I do want to see a more conservative person in that seat. And I feel like J.D. Vance is going to be that. So let's leave it there for now. We'll take a time out and come right back on Always Ray Radio. Okay, it's 1129. Let's squeeze in another call before the bottom. Jim is in West Park. He was in uh, Cleveland last night at our meeting, too. Hey, Jim, what's up, buddy? Good morning. Uh, I have three quick points here. Okay. Uh, I wish that you would um, cover, have more coverage on ranked choice voting. It's in about a third of the United States, and it's unconstitutional. Yes, it is. The second one is we never had a follow-up story with Tom Gwadzowskis about the uh, servers in Wuhan that are counting our votes. And the third one, the last time I checked, the parent has jurisdiction over the kid, which means if the kid gets in trouble at school, the parent is, is, is responsible, not a teacher and not a counselor. And I wish they would put cameras in the schools. Thank you very much for taking my call. You got it, Jim. I would like to see that, too. I would like that on the teachers, not the kids, by the way. Uh, I want the cameras on the teachers, mounted on the ceiling, pointed only at the front of the room where the teachers teach, and that's it. That's exactly right. Uh, thank you. I agree with you on uh, on all of those counts. Very concerned about uh, uh, who's counting our votes and where, particularly in Wuhan, or if they are in Wuhan, and also ranked choice voting is unconstitutional. I concur. Uh, we'll take a time out for news and come back. Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Always Right Radio is brought to you by Keeping Medicare Simple and The Floor King. Okay, 11.39, final segment of the broadcast for the morning. A little uh, reminder, a little preview tomorrow. Big show. Brandon Tatum will be joining us to preview the uh, Battleground Talkers Tour coming up on Saturday at the IX Center. So we're looking forward to talking to Officer Tatum and... One of my favorite conservatives in all of politics of my lifetime, really. Ted Cruz. I like smart people. Yeah, it's really mean. Because stupid people can't help being stupid. (laughs) But I have a real strong affinity for smart people. And I don't mean book smart. I'm not talking about Harvard-educated people, necessarily. 
I'm talking about people that are just smart. They know what they're talking about. They don't talk down to you, which you know so many do, particularly on the left. But they can convey to you. I, I talked. To, I said this about Hugh Hewitt yesterday. I haven't said this on Hugh's show this morning when I was hosting it. Um, I, I like when really, really smart people can be relatable and conversational with you and show you how smart they are without making you feel stupid. Uh, I just do. And then Ted Cruz is just brilliant. He knows the Constitution inside out and upside down. Uh, he picks apart people who come to challenge him and testify before uh, Senate committees on which he serves. Um, he's just brilliant. I just really have a huge respect for Ted Cruz. First of all, his conservatism. Second of all, his brilliance. You add the two together and you have something really special. He's going to be on with us tomorrow because he's going to be in town. He's going to be going to Medina with J.D. Vance and doing little, little uh, appearances and campaigning. So it's really, really exciting. Uh, and I'm glad he's here to support J.D. Vance because uh, I'm a huge fan of Ted Cruz. Uh, I want to get one more call in to, or two here before we are done. We're going to go to Shalira Taylor in Cleveland wants to talk about voting or early voting. Good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning. Um, thank you for having me. My pleasure. So, I wanted to uh, let um, everyone know and then kind of agree with your uh, one of your callers that called in and said that the GOP isn't seen downtown at the Board of Elections. Yeah. Um, I'm actually a candidate for state representative, and I was personally down there. Um, you're, you're, and, uh, you're, Shalira, you're 18, right? District 18? District 18, correct. 18, okay, got it. I want to make sure people know. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> yes, correct. District 18 candidate for state rep. Um, the first day I was there, um, Landry Simmons, um, you know, uh, Wanda Jones, a few Republicans were there the first day. But as you know, most Republicans, we have jobs, <laughs> right? <laughs> we have things that we, you know, jobs, right? A we fair have point. To <laughs> so, so um, I I uh, reached out to the county party. Um, I've reached out to other people to try to arrange for volunteers to be at the Board of Elections. So if anyone is interested, they can contact me. I'm the ward leader in Ward 6, and I'm also a central committee member for the county party. So I have the authority to say, hey, call me so I can help arrange this. Because we need, you know, it's, it's only like two or three people working out of the county party. So we need help. So if you are willing to help, then um, can I just give them my phone number? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, look, okay. you know, it's sad that you have to give your phone number because people call the party's phone number. And as I have a couple of callers say today, they can't even get through. They can't even leave a message because the box is full and nobody's returning these phone calls. So, you know, and I get what you said about people having jobs, but there are people who can volunteer and who yes. maybe can man those phones and help people who want to yes. really help Republicans get elected and, and turn things around in the state and the county and so forth. So, um, well, yeah, any have, number you want to give is going to be helpful. Well, we only have a few uh, days left, so I will give my, my um, campaign phone number, which is 216 okay. 800 5470 um 216-800-5470 so if you call or text that number and say it will i would prefer you just text your first and last name and say hey i'm interested in volunteering um that would probably be the best way you're, you're welcome to call um as well uh so th that was that part um trying to get 
us down at the polls. We have slate cards for all of the um, judges. We have slate cards for, you know, everyone that's running and um, from the Senate level to uh, the county level as well. So I think it would be a good idea if we had volunteers down there to pass those out. You're totally 100% correct um, on that. Uh, I also, if I could, if I may, have um, super one more quick comment. though, because yeah, the music is playing. Okay. I've got thirty seconds left. I'm sorry. Okay, the last one, the mega Republicans being a threat. Um, that is not true. I want to make America great. Um, I'm black. I'm in the inner city, and taking our guns away won't solve the black on black issue. Um, I've been to these same people's houses that he he would say that you know wants to call us. Shalira Taylor, I've I've got I've got to cut you off here because I'm up against the end of the show. But you know what? I want to hear from you. What you just did speaks a lot about you by calling to giving your own phone number to help people get out there and support Republicans. So I want you to call me back when we have more time. Okay, call me back tomorrow. Call me back next week. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.